Hello, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and in today's episode, we are talking about the relationship between you and your dog, and your dog and your baby. I invited Dominica from Dog Meets Baby onto the podcast to explore some of the very common challenges that dog owners and dog lovers experience when they bring their babies home. I decided to record this episode and to invite Dominique onto the podcast after sharing a post on my Instagram account about some of the common triggers that I've experienced and I know that my clients have experienced when it comes to their dogs after their baby is born during that postpartum period. For me personally, as a dog lover, I was really surprised by some of the frustration and even rage sometimes that I felt towards our fur babies when our real human baby entered our lives. And I felt a lot of guilt and shame around that. It can be hard, so hard, when you're already feeling touched out and you're tired and your dog is just another thing that needs you and wants to be close to you or touch you. Or maybe your dog is not happy that this baby is here and the relationship feels like it's changed between you and your dog. Maybe your baby just went down for a nap and the dog starts barking and now you're just really frustrated. There are so many things and dynamics and feelings that can come up when it comes to navigating this big transition with your furry family members. And so in addition to some of the common challenges that you might experience and feelings that can come up, Dominica also shares ways that you can prepare yourself and your dog for meeting the new baby and also explores and offers some tips for once baby is mobile and maybe grabbing the dog, she offers tips for fostering some safe encounters. I am so excited to dive into this topic that does not get discussed enough. I think it's a really important one. As a dog lover myself, I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and rested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, Dominica Canalsala. Welcome to Holding Space Podcast. I am so thrilled that you are joining me today. This is a topic that does not get discussed enough. But I have to say, as a therapist, as a mother myself that has, as a dog owner and dog lover, um, this is something that impacts a lot of new parents. So that transition from being a dog lover, dog owner, your fur baby, and then having your own, having a child and bringing a baby into the home. And there are so many challenges that can come up. 
Um, there can be a lot of hopes that you and your um, your family is growing and your dog is part of your family and now your dog is going to meet your baby and there can be so much hope for what that relationship and bond can look like. Um, but there can be lots of feelings and challenges that can come up. And so I'm really excited to dive into this topic with you today. Uh, but before we do, maybe you could introduce yourself to the Holding Space podcast audience, um, and, and then we'll dive in. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Dominica. I'm a mom to... Um, five-year-old twins, and I have a yellow Labrador retriever named Lola, and I'm a certified dog trainer. I started um, training dogs 13 years ago, and um, last year, March, April 2020, I started my company called Dog Meets Baby. It is a company where I focus on helping parents who are expecting or adopting a child and um, who are already dog parents. They have one dog or more dogs. I help them prepare their dog for the baby. And later, when the baby becomes mobile or when they have a, an infant or a newborn, I help them um, with how to help the dog coexist with the baby. Yes. Oh my gosh. Such a needed resource. And um, I imagine this past year with the pandemic and everybody's at home and, you know, th there's a new baby and now now the parents are home all the time, working all the time. People are having to coexist a lot with each other this past year. And it's amazing that you brought your knowledge and your expertise to the digital space because um, you have a really amazing Instagram account where you offer tons of resources, Dog Meets Baby, um, and you also have um, digital courses. Um, and so we'll definitely be sure to talk and touch on all of your resources at the end of the episode, and I'll share links um, in the show notes for anybody who's interested in learning more from you. But while I have you here, let's Let's talk a little bit about um, what inspired you to getting into the work that you're doing. Like why, why focus on this sort of relationship between dog owners, their dog, and, and now bringing a new, a new little person into the family? There are two reasons. Um, the first one is when I brought my kids home, my dog had a very scary predator reaction. It's rare. It's, um, it's something that I read about, I knew about, but I never, never, ever imagined that that's something that could happen. Um, and as you can imagine, to a new mom, um, that was a shock. Um, it was um, really traumatic, a traumatic experience. And as a trainer, I knew what to do. And um, my dog was very well prepared. Um, but I have met people who didn't have that, who had the same experience and they had no idea what to do. And some of them, they shared with me months later that it was still hunting them, that they were still um, having nightmares just thinking about it. And some of them ended up rehoming their dogs. And while we cannot really predict how our dog is going to react to a newborn, 
there is actually so much that we can do when we introduce the baby to the dog. And when you know what to look for and you know the steps of the introduction, you can avoid this. So um, I don't ever want any parent to go through what I went through, but um, I decided, okay, since I know what to do and it already has happened to me, it, it already happened to me, I can use this experience and help other parents. And the second reason is I get many emails and I get calls and I get messages when the baby becomes mobile. And a lot of times, unfortunately, this is when parents reach out because something happens. Um, and a good scenario is when the dog just growls and much worse scenario is when the dog bites. And again, it doesn't have to be this way. And if the parents had the knowledge and they knew how to read the dog's body language and they um, knew how to help the dog adjust to the mobile baby, very different than immobile baby, you can avoid this. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so, so important. Um, and there's so many feelings that can come up with the, with the transition too. Um, and some of those feelings being guilt, fear, um, you mentioned, you know, trauma and nightmares after having a negative experience and, um, it's sort of re-experiencing it and going back to it and having a really hard time sort of moving past maybe this traumatic experience. And so I think it's such an important topic for us to be diving into. And I know for myself, um, when I had my first nine and a half years ago, um, we had two dogs at the time. Um, one of them has since passed away. But I was like I remember being at a doctor's appointment and um, talking to the doctor about the transition, and my doctor asked, "Like, how are you feeling about you know that your your the baby's going to be coming really soon?" And I just started crying, and the reason I was crying was because I was scared of how it was going to impact my dogs. <laughs> like at that at that time, they were my like babies. Like they were in our you know, holiday cards that we sent out every year. Um, they were at our wedding. They were my life. Um, they were our family, my children, my fur babies. And I was really scared for how that transition was going to be. And for us, um, one of our dogs in particular had a really hard time with the transition. And so then I felt a lot of guilt um, that we, you know, I couldn't spend as much time with them, that I wasn't able to go on as many walks with them, that I was up all night and they were looking at me like, what the heck did you do? Like, <laughs> why aren't we sleeping? Um, who is, what, what is this, this creature you brought into our home? And I, you know, was trying to, you know, I, I was struggling also with bonding with the first baby because it was our firstborn and, and I was struggling with bonding. And so there was just guilt all around. Um, and then when, you know, the baby would be napping and then the dogs would bark um, or when she did become mobile and um, one dog in particular, mm -hmm. our little Shih Tzu, she would, you know, grab at her ears and the dog would never, never bit her, but would snarl at her and would scare her. Um, I would feel triggered by the dog, you know, and I would be mm -hmm. irritable um, with our dogs. And then I felt even more shame and guilt around that. 
And, you know, I talk a lot um, on social media and on the podcast about rage and anger as a symptom sometimes of postpartum depression and anxiety. And sometimes the the thing that gets that unfortunately like is on the receiving end of that oftentimes can be our pets, our dogs. Um, and I have a lot of clients who come in and will share, um, you know, that rage that they feel towards their dog and how triggered they feel by their dog or their cat um, or any pet and how, how hard that is for them to sort of navigate. Um, and then there's, yes, like you said, sometimes the experience of rehoming a pet and then just the feelings that come that come with that. So there can be grief of the relationship that feels like it's changed or been lost um, once the baby is born and the grief of not having a sadness of not having time as much with your dog and the guilt um, around that or shame, like maybe there's something wrong with me that I'm responding to my dog in this way. Um, and then there can be anger, right? Irritability. Um, and yes, there can be joy when you see them connecting or you see your pet being protective of your baby or of your child, but you don't have to necessarily prepare for those lovely moments, right? Or those beautiful connections that can happen. But what we do need to prepare for are some of the challenges, right? And so what are some of the most common challenges? You've named a few here, but maybe you could just kind of give us a checklist of what are some of the really common challenges that people experience when it comes to that transition postpartum with their dog so that if someone's listening, they can maybe feel less alone. Like they're not the only one that experiences this challenge. Mm -hmm. Well, I could not have said it better. You described everything that I received so many messages with exactly that. Uh, parents, usually moms, feeling guilty that they don't have time for the dog, that um, they feel touched out and they really don't want the dog to touch them. And the dog asking yeah. for attention um, in a way that used to be just coming over and putting the head in their lap or bringing a toy or barking because now it's time to play and you just, a baby just fell asleep and you're just so tired and you don't want to go for a walk. You don't want to play. You, you just want to be alone for a few minutes and yeah, there is so much guilt and so much resentment um, and grief as well. And um, it's, as you said, it's, it's these are normal feelings that you talk so much about. Um, what I tell parents, one of the things, I, I have a checklist. Um, it's a <clears throat> dog meets baby preparation checklist. And what I have on this list is, to have a plan for those for the fourth trimester. And one of the things is exercise. Um, and many parents have this expectation that, oh, we're going to go for family walks and it's going to be all great. And then they may never happen because they are just sleep deprived or the baby just had a blowout the moment they left the house or, or the baby's colicky or they have, it's just so many, you know, so many reasons. And, and then there is this dog that just is a lot of times they, they, because they don't have enough exercise, they start having accidents in the house. They might be also anxious because of the, of the baby, but they might bark more. They may be more destructive. 
And it's just a catch-22. It's just, it, it doesn't end. So what I tell parents is have a plan, outsource this exercise. You may not end up needing it, but have a plan. If you have a dog walker, we don't cancel the dog walker. We add more walks with the dog walker for the first few months. If you have a neighbor who wants to help, and with the pandemic, many parents they were not comfortable having someone come to their house and help with the baby, but people wanted to help, give them their dog, give them your dog so they can walk the dog or play with the dog in the backyard. Um, just, or, or hire a dog walker or send the dog to a daycare, but just have a plan that does not involve you. And this does help with the guilt. Um you're going to feel less guilty when your dog has that walk every day. Um, that's definitely my experience. Um, another, another thing to, um, to do before you have the baby is as much as you want to cuddle your dog and snuggle and hang out on the couch when you're pregnant or you're, um, you're adopting a child soon, Use this time to teach your dog that you're not always going to be together. Um, many parents, the dog likes to follow them to the bathroom. Start closing that bathroom door so your dog is used to being separated, even if it's just briefly, so they learn not to be with you all the time. And um, the third one would be, it is when you're not supervising, you... When you're asleep, you're not supervising. And when your dog sleeps in your bed and the baby sleeps in, in the bedroom, a lot of times initially in the bassinet, your dog has access to the baby. And this is unfortunately not safe. And what happens a lot of times is that many parents, if the dog doesn't have the reaction that they were hoping for and the dog is not sure about the baby, they move the dog out of the bedroom that night when the baby arrives. And then the dog is stressed, the parents are stressed, <laughs> the dog is barking, the parents are crying, and it's just a mayhem. It, it, so it's best to, for, mainly for safety, but also for, for the parents and for the dog, do it ahead of time. Have Create a beautiful spot for your dog, whether it's outside your bedroom, behind a baby gate or you can add a baby gate to your closet and then the dog hangs out there or you have a crate or your dog is somewhere else but prepare your dog for that transition you may not use it for a very long time but it's so much easier later because you are as you said you are triggered by a lot of those um by, by a lot of stuff and then the dog ends up being the one that we yell at um and the dog is a lot of time a lot of times not doing anything unusual. They are just trying to get attention and some love. Oh my gosh. I have never thought about some of these things um, that you just mentioned and it makes so much sense. Well, so first off, the sensory overload piece, yes, I've, I've, I've lived that. I've experienced it. I know I've had so many clients talk about it and I've talked to so many parents about this that they are touched out, um, you know, for so many reasons um, during that fourth trimester and postpartum. And then the dog comes and like you said, something as simple and sweet as just putting their head on your lap. And it's just like one more thing that's touching yeah. you, that needs you, and it can just put us over the edge. 
Um, and but some of these things that you mentioned here, I'm like, wow, if I would have considered that beforehand, it probably would have been really actually good for my own sanity and mental health and for my relationship with my dog, dogs too. Um, just, just the simple piece about closing the door when you go to the bathroom because, yeah, for some reason, <laughs> my uh, Maltese Pekingese Alfie <laughs> – he loves to stand guard while I'm going to the bathroom. And it's fi- it was fine, right, for many, many years. Um, and then when I became a parent and I – I mean, you're kind of describing it as a way of just kind of giving them a chance to experience that separation. But gosh, even just like sometimes I as a parent will escape to the bathroom and close the door just because I need like a moment where I, where people can't access me, you know, and like, and if I have the dog scratching at the door and used to, it wants to be in there. um, Oh my gosh. It's just like, you're never alone, you know? Yeah. And so I love that you're that that you're using the example of the bathroom just because I can really relate to that. Um, but also just this this idea of preparing ahead of time for separation. Um, and this image in thing that you just described about this nighttime experience of, you know, the dog that's used to being in the bedroom or used to being on the bed and is now, you're saying now it's not safe. So now you're outside the room, but the dog's not used to that and is obviously going to be upset, crying, barking, and you're just getting more and more frustrated because you're sleep deprived and you're trying to get the baby to sleep. Oh my gosh, like perfect storm for you to lose it on your dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> on your partner, um, to just feel awful, to feel e- to get even less opportunities for sleep, right? When that's the last yes. thing that a new parent needs. Um, so those are those are really really helpful tips. What if what if somebody is already? What if somebody's listening to this because they're not like anticipating and concerned about what's to come, but they're living it right now, like? If somebody is living through the challenges of, you know, a dog that is, um, you know, has pent up energy or is um, needing their attention or needs exercise or they're having to make changes, you know, like the dog can't um, be in the bedroom anymore while they're sleeping. Like, if somebody's in it right now, what's the rec? What do you, what do you recommend? Well, it's. <laughs> It, it, it happens. Um, I think um, maybe people who start, what I'm noticing is that there are more parents that start following me or start getting, um, start preparing their dog a little bit sooner. So it used to be like a few days before the due date. Now it's like usually the first or the second trimester or the be- beginning of the third trimester. So it's... Um, it's getting better, but of course, it can happen that you mm-hmm. you are experiencing it, or you never thought you would need this because your dog seemed to be so easy, and suddenly your dog is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, if safety is a concern, if there is yeah. any um, there are any obsessive behaviors towards the baby or any aggression towards the baby, then I always recommend separating the dog from the baby and. Um, hiring a trainer or reaching out to a veterinary behaviorist or even talking to a veterinarian about it. But just it's always best to um, ask for help before things get really bad. 
And so that that would be my advice here. Now, if you if you if it's not super bad, yes. but there is um, an issue, I would just start with the thing that is the most important to you, or you just need to do it because you know this is um, just not safe, um, like having the dog in the bedroom. And then I would I would think, okay, what would be the easiest way to help my dog maybe we don't have to move the dog out because for some dogs being not being in the bedroom it's just going to mean whining and barking for hours and then no no one is going to get any sleep so what parents can do is that okay maybe one of the parent will sleep with the dog somewhere so the dog is not left alone or will keep the dog in the bedroom but put an exercise pen around the baby (laughs) in the bassinet or around the dog um just like finding solutions like building on what the dog already knows or what we can mm-hmm. use so we're not really like creating a, a a totally like new training scenario because we're not going to have any mental space for that and we're going not going to have any energy for that now for for exercise if there is no way to outsource it you can um even if you grab kibble, let's say you feed kibble and you toss it, if you have a back, backyard and you toss it in the grass and your dog will just start sniffing it out and just like spending some time, that's already an activity that will tire them out a little bit. Um, I, you, There are many puzzle toys that you can use. The most popular one is a Kong and just feeding your dog out of a Kong. Um, it's going to take you a few minutes to prepare it. You can freeze it if your dog is good at this and it will give your dog something to do. So there are many options, um, how to help your dog and, and definitely this is the time to maybe buy a few chews or buy a few puzzle toys. And then, um, another one that's very popular that many, um, many parents like is a snuffle mat, where you can like hide the, the kibble or some treats and then your dog spends time finding them using their nose so it will tire them out. Um, or sometimes would if you have an option of sending your dog to your yeah. friends or family for a few days, like staycation, I truly believe that that can give you some time where you can just get some space for, for from your dog and 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 have a new plan and have more energy and and um, more room for your dog again. What I love about all the things that you're offering here, they're just it's just it's really creative ideas. And so what I'm kind of gathering from this is like sometimes what we do need is to outsource and bring other people in. And I love that you mentioned like people want to help. And like even during the pandemic, even when people couldn't be in the home, what could they do? They could come and take the dog and take the dog for a walk, right? Like that would, that's actually, I, I never even considered that being a way that somebody could be involved, mm-hmm. be, do something really yes. useful, um, even amidst um, a time when we needed to be socially distanced. Um, so I love that. And it's interesting because a lot of times when people come over to help, um, I don't think people think about the dog, that your pets, your dog as being something that they can help with, right? It's like, well, I'll hold the baby or, um, I'll bring some food or maybe I can do some laundry for you. 
you know, while you rest. But oh my gosh, like take my dog for a walk and like you're taking care of one of my other babies, <laughs> you know, you're you're that that's a, such a helpful way for somebody to get involved. Um, and what I'm also hearing is that one way that you can also outsource is by having somebody take the dog for a period of time so that you can get, like you said, that kind of space and distance that may allow you to then think of creative op- options to be able to coexist in a way that's going to work for everybody involved. Like sometimes, you know, when you're in it and like everybody's right there and you're like in the situation, it's really hard to have like that inspiration and like that creativity jump in of like, what can we do to make this work? Um, That's Mm -hmm. why sometimes like therapy can be so helpful because that person has a little bit of distance, enough distance where they can offer an idea that you would have totally been able to think of yourself probably, but you were just in it, you know? Um, and so I, I love this idea of, you know, Mm -hmm. getting that space, letting somebody else watch the dog for a period of time, um, while you come back in the home and you game plan, um, you know, yourself or with your partner. Um, maybe you also outsource by hiring someone like you mentioned to kind of come in and help, um, behaviorally or just even like structurally, like, how are we going to do this? Um, I love that. I love, I love ideas. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's say somebody is listening and they are, um, going to be adopting sooner. They're expecting and, um, they are nervous about that first introduction to dog, um, to their dog and the baby. Um, and I know that you offer so much resources on social media and you have a mini course about this. Um, so I'll be sure to link those. But what are what is like one or two tips that you could offer about how to sort of support that um, introduction um, to each other? Those first those first moments together. The first, uh, the first thing that I would mention is uh, that I would like to tell parents is that you don't have to bring a magic, this magic blanket or magic onesie from the hospital. Um, your dog doesn't have to sniff it. It's to like your baby. I know that this is such a strong myth and many people do it. And if it makes you feel better, you can totally do it. But from um, a scientific point of view, It's not going to change much if a dog sniffs an item for a few seconds once. They need repetition to learn that this is a predictable smell. So, but what you can do is when you, so what what you want to do is you want to have a plan. And I always recommend that the parents meet the dog because usually they couldn't see the dog for a few days, that they meet the dog first. Um, because the dog will be excited and that's how the dog can get the scent of the baby from their mom or dad. They can sniff the baby on them and that's like, that's the best exposure. And, um, when you introduce the baby, um, to your dog, it's good to plan. What am I going to use? Am I going to have the baby in the car seat or maybe that crib would be a better place or maybe I will be holding the baby. And that really depends on your dog and on how many dogs you have and on whether you live in a house with a backyard or you live in a tiny studio. 
Um, so it's 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 not there's not one size fits all, and that's why I have this mini course to help parents figure out what is the best solution for their particular um, dogs and in their setup. Yes, yeah, because I think that I saw um, a post recently that you shared that talked about. Um, you know, that first introduction, not having, mm-hmm. like, not having it happen in a really tight space, you know, because um, I can imagine, you know, most people have, when, when you walk into your house, you have like a little entryway. Um, and, you know, usually when you come home, especially like you said, if you haven't been home for a couple of days because you were in the a hospital um, or you were gone. And then you come in and you come into this tiny little hallway space and the dog hasn't seen you. The dog's excited. The dog's jumping up and down. Um, and, you know, that can be, and, and you're maybe already feeling a little on edge or worried or a little stressed about that introduction. Um, dog's going to maybe pick up on that. I'm not sure. You, you probably know more um, about what dogs can pick up on but I imagine that they will no they will they will yeah I imagine that being um not the best like way situation right to be especially in a tight a tight more confined space and so you shared that recently on your Instagram account and I I I hadn't thought of that, but it makes a lot of sense that that's probably where a lot of these first introductions happen, right? And you're trying to kind of move out of that space, but the dog's jumping up up, and you're holding the car seat or you're holding the baby and the dog is jumping. And I could see that being a stressful sort of first introduction. And so, um, you know, and, and it's funny that you kind of are breaking that myth here because that's definitely what we did with the first. <laughs> I, brought, I, I had I had my my parents bring home a little like hat that the baby had worn <laughs> to the house, and I was like, "This is this is gonna do it," you know. <laughs> like let let Alfie and Sophie sniff this hat. Um, but no, when we got home, like they were still like, "What the heck, mom? Like what just happened? Like what 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 little creature did you bring into our home?" <laughs> so it didn't like you said it didn't really help. Um, but that's the only thing I had ever heard yeah, I mean, um, about introducing them to each other. No, well, you can totally do it. It just, just know that this is not going, this is not a guarantee that your dog is going to love your baby. There is so much more to do to prepare your dog for the baby um, than just a head to sniff. Yes, of course. So, I mean, and just from looking at your social media account and scrolling through your posts, I've already learned so much and seen how there's so much more to be considering when it comes to these introductions and this preparation. Um, so what, now I have a um, almost one-year-old, and she um, is a late crawler, but she's just starting to crawl. And my my dog, Alfie, um, he is um, – uh, Sophie passed away about a year and a half ago. She was a Shih Tzu. And our dog, Alfie, he's a Maltese Pekingese mix. He's much older now, um, so he's much more calm than he used to be. And, you know, she – loves to grab at him. Like she's just fascinated by him. Um, and he is incredibly patient with mm-hmm. her. Like she'll grab his fur by on his face and like, you know, I will have not, I will not be moving f- fast enough and so she'll grab him by the face and he won't do anything. Um, but there's still the concern there, right? Um, that just because he's 
didn't respond or react that one time or a couple of times, um, of course, there's the concern that he could react in a negative way um, or be upset that someone's grabbing him by his face. I mean, understandably so, right? Um, or like sometimes she'll kind of just like lay on top of him. Yeah. Um, and it's so sweet how he just kind of takes it. <laughs> but um, that's not something that we should just be relying on, correct? Um, I would love to hear some of your thoughts on – you know, how we can be preparing both dogs and the family as a whole for a mobile baby who's going to be grabbing things um, and pulling on things and pulling on your pet potentially. Okay. Let's dive in. It's, um, I love this subject. Um, dogs don't like when kids grab them. They don't like when they hit them and they don't like when they climb on them. And none of these things. And yes, some dogs are going to be tolerant and they will tolerate it. And some may tolerate it for a very, very long time. But not all dogs will do it. Um, some dogs will stop tolerating it after a while or some dogs may not tolerate it at all. And with dogs, it's they have a mouthful of teeth and they value safety. Safety is very, very important to them. And dogs communicate with their body all the time. Um, but initially, they communicate with subtle body language. And an example would be when a baby touches the dog and, you know, they, they're very grabby and doesn't let go of the fur the dog may yawn or the dog may show the side eye or the dog may lip lick or nose lick. And that's a sign of stress. Uh, or the dog may, may look to the side and um, like, like tilt, like t turn their head and, and pause. So this is something that they do. And people a lot of times don't cannot see it they they don't or they see it but they don't know how to read it and when yeah. people don't respond the dog does it again until they're okay no one's paying attention to my yawning and scratching and head turns and lip licks and that's when the dog decides I have to be louder and that's when you often hear those growls that that snarling that snapping and that's what that's when parents really respond. They move the baby away and the dog learns, wow, that was fast. Mm -hmm. I was yawning for a year, no one paid attention, and suddenly they moved the baby very quickly when I growled. And so there is, of course, a risk of that of the dog doing it again because it worked uh, so fast. Um, but there is also, you know, a risk that the dog may decide to take it up a notch again. And um, instead of growling, they will actually start snapping or or they will make contact with the baby's skin. And some dogs will do it. They will not. There is something called letter of aggression. But of course, we're, you know, we talk about those subtle signs of stress and then louder and louder. But dogs don't know that we have that letter of aggression. <laughs> Many dogs will go straight to growling or, mm -hmm. or snapping or biting. Mm -hmm. So with young children, I don't like reduce. Uh, I don't 
I don't think that this is safe when we let the child do something again, because we there is always a risk that the dog may have a reaction. Um, so it's best to... Um, I call it dog in the bubble. So one thing that, that I like to teach the parents is that, or teach the parents so they can teach their children is that dogs live in a bubble, which means that we don't go inside the bubble. We can call the dog out of their bubble, but we don't go inside. Mm-hmm. And the, this teaches the, the child to give the dog space and, um, and not reach inside the bubble and not touch the dog when they're hanging out on their bed. Um, you can point, you can wave, you can blow kisses, um, but we do not go inside the bubble. And of course, initially with young babies, management is key. So I love gates. <laughs> um, and usually parents have to baby proof the house anyway. Um, so while you're baby proofing, you can start baby and dog proofing. Yeah, no, that's that makes so much sense. Um, and I think that if you're kind of, well, in the beginning, yes, you as the parent, it's your job. You're the one that's managing it, right? Because your baby's not going to understand um, that the dog has a bubble, right? The dog's bubble. But I love that you're so- sort of setting the stage for that from the Yes, of course. Yeah, that you're setting the stage for that from the very beginning um, so that as your child grows older and, you know, becomes a toddler and a, and, and understands these concepts, right, um, you're teaching – you're teaching your child to show respect to the dog. And hey, I mean, that's like, that's an amazing thing to teach our children in general, right? To um, to respect those around us, to, um, and to also look for, um, to also teach consent. Because what I love that you just described is the dog has a bubble and sometimes you can pull the dog out. You can welcome the yep. dog out of the bubble by calling the dog to you. Um, and what that's allowing is for the dog to consent, to um, engage engage, to play, to be touched, right? Um, and I, hey, I think just in general, that's a beautiful thing for us yeah. to teach our children and our pets can be a great place, a great and safe place, an understanding, understandable place for that to start. Um, so I love that. And that's exactly what it is. It's about consent. And when the dog consents to, to a interaction, that's when you can maybe together pet the dog or give the, the dog some treats, but not by going to um, to the dog's space because they, they need a, a place where they are not bothered. Like <laughs> we want to be alone in that bathroom. They also should have that space, whether it's their bed or their crate, where they can just be by themselves and they feel mm-hmm. safe and, and the little human is not going to get there because they may be protective of that space. That makes so much sense. And so I'm even just thinking about our own um, situation. So we have Alfie and our daughter who's now mobile and grabbing at everything. And um, and again, like I said, he's very tolerant of it, but I understand that just because he's tolerant of it now, I, you know, I don't even know the things about the yawning and the licking. So I'm going to start paying more attention to that. 
Um, but what we're like, what we've been doing right now is that when she grabs him, I'll I'll remove her hand and then I'll like have her go very gently on him, petting. But what I what I'm hearing you say, and I'll say something like gentle, gentle with the doggy. But what I'm hearing you say, and tell me here if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, but what we what would be even more ideal is if you know we just give him his bubble and his space, right? And so remove her from when she's crawling towards him and I, I, I know what she's about to do, grab him or kind of lay on top of him, um, to give him his space and to find mm-hmm. opportunities where we can, you know, with her maybe in my lap, call him over, let him agree to coming over to her and me. Um, and then would that be an opportunity to to, with her hand, pet him gently? Like, is that something that would be more appropriate? Yes, 100%. That would be so much better. Because a lot of times what people don't realize is that when a child grabs a dog and then the dog doesn't like it and they never like it, it's, you know, when I look at their body language, they don't like it. And um, and the dog might be already on edge. And, um, and then the child is holding on to their affair and then the parent helps to remove the hand but the dog is still on edge and then when the child reaches again to pet that dog this dog doesn't know that this time they're going to practice being gentle and sometimes you know you know kids some are not going to be gentle that time right and but what the dog is expecting is like oh it's going to happen again and unfortunately you have a very tolerant dog but many people don't have tolerant dogs they may have a reaction at this point And I definitely have worked with parents that was exactly that situation where they were trying to to show the child how to be gentle, but the dog was done at this point. This dog was, we're not practicing. (laughs) I'm, I'm not okay with this situation. And not every dog will leave. Some, especially if they feel trapped, they, that's when they may at this point growl or, or snap. Mm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. That makes so much sense. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation because yeah, I think in the moment, you know, I'm like, like, okay, well she's, she's grabbing him. We're here. Like, and I just think in that moment, oh, this is a chance to, to teach her gentle and how to um, pet him softly. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, but it makes so much sense that at that point, he doesn't know that the next time her hand comes towards him, that I'm, I'm going to make sure that it's more gentle um, and soft. And at that point, he's already been grabbed. He's already, you know, like not, not enjoying that irritated, right. Not feeling safe. Um, so that makes so much sense. I love this idea of, yeah. of imagining the dog's bubble. And I love, I love that you brought it back to the bathroom. Like I need my own space too. And so of course the dog would as well. I don't know. This is, it's been so wonderful to get a chance to connect with you and to learn from you. So where can others uh, find you and all the resources that you have to offer through dog meets baby? You can find me on Instagram, dog meets underscore baby. And um, another place would be my website, dogmeetsbaby.expert, where I have free resources um, and um, the mini course. I'm also on Facebook and on uh, YouTube, but less active. I'm really active on Instagram. 
Amazing. Well, I'll be sure to include links to all of that here in the show notes for our listeners. Dominica, thank you so much for coming on and for having this conversation with me. I am so grateful and so excited to share with all of the Holding Space podcast listeners because this is a topic that unfortunately does not get discussed enough, but I think is really important um, and a really relevant um, sort of piece to the postpartum experience for your postpartum family, your dog included. So again, thank you so much for coming on. And it's just been so wonderful to learn from you. I learned a lot. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, I agree. It's not, um, it's a topic that is relatively new and I'm glad that I had a chance to talk about it today. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.